Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Good evening. Welcome to episode 000019 of The Mission. My name is Daniel James. I'll be your host through to eight this evening. I'd like to start off by acknowledging the land on which we are broadcasting from this evening. That is the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We have an excellent show for you this evening, shortly, and in studio, I'll be joined by Uncle Jack Charles. We'll discuss his life, the triumph, the tragedy, and the redemption of it all. Later in the hour, I'll be yarning with Victorian Treaty Advancement Commissioner Jill Gallagher AO to get an update on the treaty process that is underway here in Victoria. The rubber is beginning to hit the road with all of that. But here in Victoria, there's actually so much happening at the moment when it comes to First Nations people. The Tanya Day coronial inquest into her tragic and untimely death continues. The same inquest is looking into the role systemic racism may have had as well in her horrible demise. I saw today that they actually started looking at conscious bias for the first time as an issue and a concept that needs to be explored. Before the end... The inquest will hopefully look at many more complex but important um, important topics that actually affect Aboriginal people when they interface with the justice system. And many of you would have seen um, the coverage of the Jabarung protest in Spring Street this morning. Traditional owners and supporters continuing to rally to protect their sacred trees and lands from the proposed expansion of the Western Highway up around Ararat. The issue of whom the government consulted in the planning of the expansion is a vexed one, but is one that is not going to go away any time soon. But what is pleasing to see is that no matter where you stand on that particular issue, it's very pleasing to see that there is actually a new generation of passionate advocates from within the Aboriginal community coming up people that are proud and protective of their culture and their heritage, people that are leaders that are to be looked up to now, no matter their age, no matter where they're from, no matter what support base they may or may not have. And uh, it's people like them that I used to look up to when I was younger. Many of them have uh, gone now, I'm afraid. But uh, the current generation is doing them proud, and I think there's no more fine example of that than the Day family itself. The coronial inquest would not be happening if it wasn't for the advocacy and the passion and the strength of that family. So I tip my hat to them and give them my full respect. They actually went through the process of advocating for the release of some harrowing video of their mother, Tanya, in her last hours in that prison cell up in Castle Maine. It is very traumatic viewing, but it is necessary viewing, in my opinion. It shows you how...
people can just slip through the cracks and through negligence or design or otherwise can lead to the death of Aboriginal people before they even have the chance to become an elder. And it was very tragic and moving to see, but it's something that we all need to see because these things have been hid for far too long. Anyway, the best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. My handle is at Mr. DT James. And you're listening to The Mission on Triple R 102.7 FM. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. I was actually thinking of writing a fancy introduction for Uncle Jack Charles, but <laughs> then I happened to gaze over the back of his new book, Jack Charles Born Again Blackfella, and it says better things than I ever could, far more interesting things that I could ever write, it never saves me toil, I'm all, all for that. So let me just read to you a little bit of what's on the back of his new book, which is available in all good bookstores. It reads, Jack Charles has worn many hats through... Out his life, actor, cat burglar, musician, heroin addict, activist, even senior Victorian Australian of the year. But the title he's most proud to claim is that he's an Aboriginal elder. Stolen from his mother and placed into institutional care when he was only a few months old, Uncle Jack was raised under the government White Australia policy. The loneliness and isolation he experienced during those years had a devastating impact on him and in that endured long after he reconnected with his Aboriginal roots and discovered his stolen identity. Even today, he feels like an outsider, a loner, a fringe dweller. <laughs> in this honest and no-holds-barred memoir, Uncle Jack reveals the ups and downs of his crazy, drugged-up, locked-up, fucked-up and at times unbelievable life. Uncle Jack Charles, welcome to Triple R again. Oh, it's great to hear. Thank you to have for having me, Daniel, on the on the mission here. What a wonderful mission you've got running here. Oh, thank you very much. Thank it's one you. of the better ones, isn't it? It is. It's a great mission, mate. <laughs> yes. um, why do you describe yourself as a born-again black fella? Uh, well, I'm as passionate as a born-again Christian so. about what Uncle Jimmy Berg's Curry Heritage Trust had given unto me and uh, link up. Yeah. I... Um, uh, there's only one area there that I need to uh, understand more as to why Truganini mm-hmm. and Tommy McRae is on my family tree. Wow, that's amazing. So now it's nice to be able to say, you, or two years ago they found out who my old man was. So it's nice to say I'm not a mere Koori, but I'm Wiradjuri on my father's side. Comes from Leeton, New South Wales. Jajabarung uh, on my paternal great-greats. Side, um, Yorta Yorta Bunwurrung on my mum's side, and that's where you could looks come from the Yorta Yorta side, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, I know the James, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, look, I and my mum was a schoolgirl up there, part of the walkout, yeah, right. And then I remember doing that, uh, that third episode of Women in the Sun series, many of the actors in it were the sons and daughters, nephews and nieces, the cousins of the people that actually were on the walkout. The the famous walkout of 1938 where the Aboriginal people of Kamragunja used to have to ask permission to leave the mission <laughs> and eventually decided that they'll jack off that and the um, overbearing mission manager of the time yeah, and they yeah. got up and walked off and headed down south to, uh, to Shepparton where 
there's a large and you know vibrant Aboriginal community as we uh, as we sit here and speak tonight. And the irony is, I was taken from Dasher's Paddock at four months just outside. So you weren't so, taken from Kamagunja. You were taken no, from no, Dasher's I was taken Paddock. from Dasher's. She managed to keep me. Yeah. Many of us were born, Daniel, in Royal Women's Hospital. Uh, us Melburnians, yeah, and uh, but she managed to keep a hold of me under the assimilation policy. I was supposed to be plucked from the hospital. Fair income, but she managed to keep me firstborn and got me as far as Dash's paddock, and that's where they <laughs> where they grabbed me and took me to Brunswick City Mission Babies Home. So Dash's paddock is a is a stretch of land near the banks of the Golden River between Marupna and Shepparton. And it's where a lot of blackfellas sit themselves up in the early days after after they walked off the missions and they went to work in, as fruit pickers and in the cannery there in, right, yeah. in Shepparton. And the young queen in 53 was going through. Yeah. So they put that hessian fence along there so she wouldn't see us living in third world conditions. Now, that is one of the more <laughs> remarkable stories because... Excuse me. No, you're right. Um... Uh, yeah, the Queen's first visit to Australia in yeah. 1953. She went everywhere, all over everywhere. the countryside. I saw her at Box Hill Boys' Home. Ah, okay. I was on the, all the rest of the other Auckland kids on the Box Hill Boys' Home and we all waving like Billy O with our we, Union Jack yeah, flag. Yeah, you had a Union Jack flag. And that and... Uh, and uh, and uh, we put it in the show, Jack Charles versus the Crown. Romerall wrote a good piece <laughs> and we added in Bob Menzies' words, you know, and... Um, and as I saw her passing yes. by, I did but love her till the day I die. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of creepy of Bob, I thought. It was, yes, 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 really strange. But me, well, I adored the Queen. Right. You know, uh, she was from the mother country. Yep. For a while, I took her to be my mum. Big Phil, the Greek, my dad, and the Queen Mama, bless her, me nana. That's how the whitewashing in the Box Hill Boys' home had gotten a hold of me. You've gone from from being stolen, as as you said, to raised in a series of institutions, Box Hill being one of them. You eventually found yourself in prison. You were a loner and an outsider, rejected and forgotten by society. How do you go from that state to now receiving standing ovations wherever you go? How does that happen in one lifetime? Um, I believe uh, after bastardy, uh, truly, Daniel, I hadn't. Uh, I, it was a period of about six years filming that, doing two one-year jail sentences, eight years all told. Yep. And I hadn't realised the impact that uh, Bastardy, the documentary, would have on my life or on uh, many Melburnians. Um, people that I'd robbed had come and seen uh, uh, Bastardy, the doco. Um, um, my former comrades. We had to have two premiere nights in 2008, Bastardy, the doco. Such was the line-up around the block. Right. So former CIU inspectors and functioning policemen came along and saw it. Uh, I've led many of them over many years on many a, an operation, Get Jack Charles and that over in Turak and Kew and etc. sitting in their private cars. So uh, hard after that, you know, that, I added myself in so many ways in Bastardy, the doco, that I hadn't intended but it worked well because people acknowledged that I owned everything in my past. 
That's and uh, that's, that's a secret too. That's the yeah, secret. It's Aboriginal law too, by the way. Yeah. There can never be in Aboriginal law any mitigating circumstances for your crimes. Yeah. And you know you're due for certain punishments for certain crimes and you had to undertake them. You couldn't plead the fifth as the Yanks do. You couldn't plead, oh, I was stolen or I was drunk, I was on, you know, I was on amphetamines or something. You can't plead those kind of things in Aboriginal law. So I owned this. I did the time for my crimes. Melburnians noticed that. And then hard after that, two years later, there I was in a Fairfax studio uh, had having written... You know, with John Romerell, yeah. a play we called Jack Charles vs. The Crown. Yeah. It was a hoot because there everybody came along and saw that. People I'd robbed, people, you know, former police inspectors had come along and seen it because they were following my journey. And particularly after that, that performance piece, Jack Charles vs. The Crown, going around uh, Victoria and then around Australia, um, that proved to me that... Um, uh, yeah, I became a, a kind of a leading black light for uh, many mm. Victorians. Uh, they chose me to be their senior Victorian Australian of the Year. That tells me that everybody likes and uh, likes to see and witness uh, the story of a, a reformed, rehabilitated old coot that <laughs> they feel they know. So, basically, you really only became accepted when you accepted yourself. Oh, yeah, well, before I left jail, I, uh, I had undertaken uh, the Muramali program delivered by Auntie Lorraine Peters yeah. and her daughter Shana at the uh, Loddon Prison. It, um, I like to say in the book, uh, it instantly uh, impacted with me. It uh, relit the burning embers of my, as I, as I see, as you read there before, my locked up, fucked up, grogged up, drugged up dreamings and that. It did do that for me and it did do it... For, for many others. I know a couple of others that are still, uh, you know, have gone back into their communities down Mowie and uh, one up in Swan Hill that have settled and they're doing well and that. And um, we had said we'd promised to catch up with each other down the track. Well, through the Torch program, I've met the bloke down at, uh, uh, down at Mowie, Sid Austin, and, uh, you know, we have, I have great plans to reinvest in uh, reconstitute uh, community workshops and that mm. because uh, since the abandonment of these, uh, of the closing the gap measures, you know, local councils and state governments were noticing that they weren't getting any big back black bangs out of those black bucks, so they pulled the funding. And since they pulled the funding, uh, these places were, were not being utilised and so there were a rising number of uh, young ones in our institutions, in, our, in Parkville and uh, Malmesbury and older ones in our, in our prisons. So I believe that uh, uh, you've got to get back to basics. Let's reconstitute, but this time run them with honesty and integrity. It seems to me, I mean, we, we know for a fact that um, there is still a massive over-representation of Aboriginal people oh. in, in the... Well, they're incarcerated and involved in the justice system. Um, why do you think that is? Uh, because of the abandonment yeah. of community centres. Yep. Okay? There's nowhere to go. There's no organisation for people to gravitate towards in the course of a lazy day. You come out of prisons, you're not there, you're homeless, and that. There are no hostels anymore. You know, so uh, we're left to, to uh, you know, and the system seems, for many of them, they tell me when I go inside, the system is set up for us to fail. So I've gone into adult prisons and that, uh, and I have said, 
you know, raise your hands, those that have been here three years, three times. Mm. They said, well, actually, the system requires you to keep on coming back. They want you to be dedicated recidivist. The system can't function unless you are playing their game. Well, even even more so now than ever that it seems, especially now that, that the prisons in particular have gone private. Private, yep. Um, and they need to be fed. Archie Roach and I are feeling very uncomfortable with the Office of Corrections as it stands now. We don't feel that we're welcome in Parkville, that we're welcome in uh, Malmesbury, and also recently at the NADOC uh, uh, week, I, I felt a distinct, uh, you know... Uh, well, I was invited to uh, Port Phillip and we had a great session there, but I tried to get into Ravenswood yeah. where my niece was working and uh, it was uh, difficult and I felt uh, that... Uh, that I really wasn't welcomed. So uh, the idea is that uh, uh, people like myself need to uh, seek an audience with Daniel Andrews and the Minister for Corrections and uh, Police and that uh, I need to be taken seriously. My criminal record probably is, you know, a bit of an impediment from their, under, from their viewpoint, you know. But I'm the man that has gone up to Waverley Police Academy and spoken yeah. to, to the cadets... I have now even more information that I'd love to go up there because I've recently found that my great-great-grandfather, Coronder Johnny Charles and William Brack, were members of the Victorian Native Police Force. I want to have a look at their archives in regard to this. It's unfinished business, this hidden, denied history. And, that, and, uh, and since I have a, a big... You know, my, my great-greats had a big role in playing, you know, in those early years, collecting mining licence fees from the gold miners, being pitched into the battle, escorting the gold bullion down from Ballarat to the, to the Minton, etc. There's a bigger story I'd like to... You know, this is only the first book, mate. Oh, I, I have no doubt whatsoever yeah. that this is only the first chapter and yeah. what could be a multi-chaptered um, <laughs> story. I mean, I mean, the, 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 the government and senior bureaucrats and those that work in corrections and justice, they would be doing themselves a massive disservice if they weren't listening to you and people like you. And I know that there's a number of blackfellas at the moment actually lined up waiting to see the Premier Daniel Andrews about a range of subjects. But Especially what, as you were mentioning before, the tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that yeah. was um, looked to be a very successful... Um, rally today. We've had moments with Daniel Andrews where we got that that two-year-old body out of uh, out of Mr. West's office from the museum that had been lying there for ninety-nine years. You know, yeah. it was a yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that mob that got that that skeleton back out and reinterred it in the property where it come from. The property owner had uh, cyclone fenced off that area and that uh, with lots of hair pulling and right wailing, which they said it wouldn't happen, but it did. Uh, that, uh, that, and Foley then became the first Aboriginal uh, uh, curator of a museum, a Melbourne museum. You see, they, 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 they didn't need a hurricane fence, they needed a Foley-proof fence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is 27 past... Seven here on Triple R 102.7. You're listening to The Mission. My name is Daniel. I'm speaking with Uncle Jack Charles, who has lived a very textured, heavy and colourful existence and it's still got a long way to go. Yet you're, um, you're a life force. So 
there is at least two or three other chapters, I reckon. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. You can write for yourself. Expungements of criminal record recently in Parliament, you know, legislating that uh, within the space of three, five or ten years, you know, we've legislated, we've put it up now. Uh, we've, uh, it's been entered into the books or whatever they call it, okay, uh, to uh, have, you know, can seriously consider certain criminal records expunged within a shorter space of time uh, because we believe it's an incentive People like me can go into prison, due detention centres, and use, well, me, use my fine sense of con artistry to convince the <laughs> fellas, listen, it's only three years or five years, if you can pull up five years, you fellas, it's not long. You can then have your entire criminal records expunged, you know, and you'll be, you'll be able to, you know, get a passport, you'll be able to get a job, and you won't have to answer that question to, in order to get a job, do you have a criminal record? You can tell that beautiful lie, no. Because it's expunged. How many times have you been knocked back for a job because of that um, That question? Nobody's told me. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You see, I, yeah. I, I've always got jobs. Yeah. You know, I'm, I charm my way into certain glass uh, factories and that. And you worked I'm, a, quali- years, I'm a qualified glass beverler, yeah, you see. Yeah, So I've had no problems getting work in the glass. And in the old days, it's all modernised now. They put a put a machine on the edge of the glass and it goes around and does it automatically now. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been uh, boosted out because of automation. Yeah, like like most of us. Like most you know, of us, yes. Probably yes. will be. Um, look, you've lived a long time in Melbourne yep. and you've been involved in the evolution of Aboriginal affairs and, and the rights movement. What what do you make of the, of the scene today? The How scene? are things travelling? Um, well... Um, it's a big pitch battle uh, with the government and um, uh, the roads uh, people about uh, the, that business with the tree. Yeah. Um, and um, really, the, I saw Adam Goods on hand day tonight, mm-hmm. and that he's so gentle. Yeah. He's not like me, you know. Um, no, I go hard, you know. Yeah. I believe Australia really showed its true colours by successively you know, booing him out of the game, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I believe um, Australia, as I said, the week after he was booed on that first instance, I was invited to Q&A and they put me into that first documentary, uh, the final quarter, uh, plucked from yeah. uh, Q&A yeah, into that. And then I said it's uniquely and peculiarly racist against the First Nations people. And, of course, the best lines come later... Perhaps I should have said, you know, uh, offside. That's, you know, Australia is, is peculiarly offside with the, with the. But no, no, we've got to call a spade a spade. Yeah. You know, and, you know, if if Australia wasn't racist against this nation, our nations, and that, we'd have been bled onto our schools' curriculum, you know, yonks ago. Each state has got a unique history of from of invasion, from uh, uh, from the the wars using the certain, well, my great-grandfather and William Barak of the police, you know, you know, native police force to help eradicate the, the small uh, uh, clan groups so that the squatters can, uh, squatters can grab <coughs> that land and etc. <cetera. coughs> so... you like a glass of water? Yeah, yeah. So we've got a long way to go. Yeah. But at the moment, you know, people are talking up treaty. It's fantastic to be able to talk up treaty, you know, We'd, wouldn't, we'd, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have even imagined that possible, you know, ten years ago, let alone 
20 or 30 yeah, or 40 yeah. years ago. But it's not going to happen in my lifetime. I can see that with the with the response from governments, successive governments, successive prime ministers. They've all knocked it on the head. and that, Without a by your leave yeah. and that. We've, uh, you know, we... You know, we 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 liked uh, uh, Kay Rudd's apology to us, and it was good. We never knew you know, we we knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. You know, uh, we're different. Uh, and Adam Goods said tonight, it's because you know, right from the first instance, Australia was declared as terra nullius, devoid of people. Mm. Now, you know, we were we weren't uh, we we were counted amongst the flora and fauna. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, it wasn't until people like Galpilil, I remember seeing Jedra, Tutawalidia made a good go of it, but not like Galpilil did. When Galpilil came on the scene, he was the man most responsible for placing Indigenous people here in Australia onto the map of, of Exotica. Yeah. He was. Well, he's one of the, the greats of all time, isn't he? Like in, in terms of, you know, both black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. Of his, his ability. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, before I let you go and let you go home and put your feet up, you've sort of alluded to it already, but what what are your hopes for the future of Aboriginal people in what we now call Victoria? Uh, that we have a, um, um, a you know, a, a full um, accounting. We, we need uh, uh, the ability to... Uh, go into all the places of difficulties, the youth detention centres. Our elders need to, you know, we need serious elders, by the way. Yep. People that are genuine. Yeah, not just... There are people that are, you know, noted as elders, but I don't believe they're doing elder states people's work, like statesmen or stateswomen's work, you know. You have to be truthfully up front and pushing forward all the levers to try and deter as many people as possible from within those, you know, uh, jails and the detention centres from returning. So we need to have something, uh, you know, outside. You know, I'd like to see Yarra Council, for instance, undertaking a measure that uh, recently given that Darabin Council has recently done with uh, Cool and Deadly Radio Station. Yeah, it's brought it back be. to Preston yep. from out of the boondocks of Bundara or way, way out that way, no, uh, way out, way out, way out where the yeah, university the sticks, is yeah. at. You know, brought it back into Preston and being given to Preston Police Station on a 99-year lease, three peppercorns, I think it was, or five. Yeah, yeah. And that. So I want a building in Collingwood Fitzroy. You know, uh, uh, or and reservoir. I want to reconstitute the workshops. You know where I can put pottery in there. You know, rows of computer on the second floor. Uh, you know, it needs to be a hub. In you know, a sanctuary for people coming out of prison to do this. Their their parole, their CBOs. Uh, people can be directed by the courts to go there and do your. Uh, uh, you know, uh, your your uh, to prove that you're. Uh, well, whatever you you need to do, we need to have yeah. a community hub uh, and in, open to all, not only to Indigenous people, for for any other lost souls. And we've got a lot of lost souls from the African community that are mixing with us in our prisons, mm. and so we need them. We need to make them welcoming. Well, if we all continue to push in the in the same direction, we will get there. Uh, Jack Charles, Born Again Blackfella, is a great book. It's available in all good bookstores. Highly recommend it. Um, 
Uncle Jack Charles, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Cuz. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm really proud. <laughs> You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Thank you so much to Uncle Jack Charles for coming in and giving us his precious time. He's been a very busy fella. And I'd also like to thank my next guest for her very precious time too. Jill Gallagher is the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commissioner. She's a Gundijamara woman who grew up a fair bit on Gunai land. She's been on Wurundjeri land for a long time fighting the cause for her people. And she is on the line with us now to talk about where we are in the process towards treaty. Jill Gallagher, good evening. Good evening, Daniel. How are you? Very good. I, you, were the, you were the very first guest on this program, so you've now been elevated to friend of the show. So congratulations. That, that's deadly to hear. <laughs> Thank you. You continue to be very, very busy, but since we last spoke, there has been uh, a number of developments. We now have nominations closed for the First Peoples Assembly is that's that's the right title, is it? First People's Assembly of Victoria, yes. That's the one. And we got ended up getting sixty three nominations, which is deadly. Yeah, that is awesome, isn't it? Right across the state. It's overwhelming to see how many people put their hand up to take a leadership role. It's just amazing and um um they're all so deadly. Yeah, and going through, having having a scroll of the list, which is uh, readily available, if you go to uh, firstpeoplesvic.org, uh, the great thing to see about it is people from all ages and different backgrounds within our community and some people that have been in leadership positions for a, a long time, some people that have never been in, you know, so-called leadership positions, uh, putting their hands up and, and wanting to be part of history, really. Yes, exactly right. It's when you look at uh, the list of candidates across the state, um, it's just um, inspirational, um, you know, that, um, uh, as you said, we've got people who've been uh, leaders in our community, we've got people who... Um, haven't been in those positions, um, but are prepared to put their hand up and see if they can take us to the next stage of treaties and, and, and to actually put themselves out there to be, you know, I mean, um, you've got to be elected, so uh, your own community, your own peers actually have to elect you in that role, so... That will that that is putting yourself on the line, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a tremendously brave thing to do. Is um, yeah. you know, to set yourself forward and to be judged by, you know, people within your community, your your equals, your elders, your uh, your, your children, because voting will be open to um, kids up uh, to the age of sixteen. That's correct, isn't it? That is, then, yeah, sixteen and up. Speaking of which, um, people still have time to enrol. Oh, very much so. Enrolments um, continue straight up to the last day of voting, um, which is the twentieth so of October. That, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, still time to enrol, um, and um, what's even more exciting is that. Um, 
voting begins on Monday, uh, this Monday coming the 16th. Yeah, that, that snuck up quickly, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. We're, we're, we're nearly there. I just cannot believe we're nearly there. And once all this is won and run, that's that's it for you, yeah? In in your role yeah, as Treaty no, Advancement Commissioner. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so the, 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 the position becomes um, no longer existent. And then it's over to the, the fine men and women that have been elected and their electors to get us to the next level, which is going to take a while. Yes, uh, yeah, exactly right. The elected um, uh, voice, uh, the First People's Assembly of Victoria, will then take us through the next stage of the treaty process. Uh, and even that's going to be exciting and um, really keen to see how we... Um, how we travel in that space. Yeah. Uh, you've been continuing to do a series of consultations. I think it's last. It's been about four months since you were last on, on Triple O. What, what have you been up to in that time? Um, now, I can't remember. I'm assuming um, the last time we spoke, I spoke about my prison visits, did I? You did, yes, you did. Yep. Yes, yes. So, okay, so I've still been doing, um, you know, going out and engaging with community and, um, you know, giving talks here, there and everywhere and uh, apart from, you know, still busily away trying to um, get these uh, elections up and running. So um, it's been really interesting. But now that we have the nominations closed and we've got um, events, as we currently speak, right across the state of Victoria, um, uh, meet and greet the candidates' events, uh, which is quite exciting, and um, so I've been involved in in some of them, not all of them, because I can't get to them all. Yep. Um, and then planning the the next stage of once voting opens, how do we how do we um, how do we turn all the enrolments we got into votes? Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. The candidates. Yeah. So there's another phase in my role. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I hadn't thought of that. Yes. Yeah, it's obviously not a fair to complete that people will actually vote once they're enrolled. No. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know how um, oh, what a chore it used to go out and vote at um, you know state or federal elections or even council elections. Yeah. Um, and and our communities, as you well know, Daniel, our reputation. In, um, in participating in mainstream elections it hasn't all been that good in the past for, for good reasons, by the way. Yeah. Um, so um, still to encourage people now, you know, we're nearly there. We've gone through the enrolment and we're still doing that. We've gone through the nomination stage and that's now closed. Now we've got to go to the polls. It's... Uh... It's grueling. It must. It must have been. It's, it's been grueling, hasn't it? I mean, it's been. I guess oh. getting the nominations in has been fantastic, but gee, it's been a. It's been a slog. Oh, you know what? Um, in hindsight, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You bet. Uh, yeah. So you know, if I had known the task that I um, put my hand up to undertake. Um, as the Treaty Advancement Commissioner, if I hadn't known there was so much work involved and so much that you have to think about, and um, I probably would have rethought it. Wow! <laughs> no, yeah. I no, no, seriously, that's that's a that's yeah. a, a an absolutely legitimate 
thought yeah. to have because you know this is it hasn't been an easy process there's the you know the black and white setting up the, the mechanisms working with the systems that you're empowered to, to work with but yeah. then there's there's you know there's been tension throughout the way both within and outside of the the, the community at one stage we weren't sure whether the Victorian government was going to continue to move towards treaty because um, you know the Libs may have got in and they had no commitment to, to treaty whatsoever. So I'll just say you've done a fantastic job, and I can't really think of anyone else better to to have done what you've done. Oh, thank you, Daniel. That means a lot. I mean, all, all we can ask of anyone, isn't it, that we do our best. And you've done that. Um, and, I, and I believe I've done that, and I believe the community. Um, has been behind me all the way, so that helps. By the way, yep. And but um, but but soon it will be over over to us in in the community to to take yep. it to the next level. Very much so. So if people, if mob out there want to enrol to vote, just go to firstpeoplesvic.org. The, there's a bright pink button on the left-hand side. You just click there and enrol now. Your information is safe. It will remain confidential. It's not going to be passed on to any other authorities. Um, voting will happen between the 16th of September and the 20th of October. What are you going to do with yourself once all this is done, besides take a long holiday? Um, well, I've actually got a holiday planned. Uh, for March next year. Excellent. Um, but... Um I probably just restock. I mean, uh, I still have a passion uh, for treaties. Uh, although I couldn't run in these elections because of the role I hold, um, but I'll be definitely nominating running in three years' time. Excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I have a passion to watch this space. Yep. Uh, I uh, I will, as an Aboriginal um, citizen of Victoria, I will be. Um, uh, making uh, the elected uh, delegates in this electorate work for their, um, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, and make sure that they try and get the best deal they can for us all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'll be doing. Good. I know you will be. Well, Jill, I'll let you go back uh, to whatever it is that you're doing, and uh, thank you so much for your time, and we'll speak again soon. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.